Episode 1010, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, The Rich Don't Work For Money, The Poor and The Middle Class Work For Money, The Rich Have Money Work For Them. Dad, can you tell me how to get rich? My dad put down the evening paper, why do you want to get rich, son? Because today's Jimmy's mom drove up in their new Cadillac and they were going to the beach house for the weekend. He took three of his friends, but Mike and I weren't invited. They told us we weren't invited because we were poor kids. They did, my dad asked incredibly. Yeah, they did, I replied in a hurt tone. My dad silently shook his head, pushed his glasses up to the bridge of his nose, and went back to reading the paper. I stood waiting for an answer. The year was 1956, I was nine years old. But some twist of fate, I attended the same school where the rich people sent their kids. We primarily a sugar plantation town in Hawaii. The managers <coughs> of the plantation and the other influent people, such as doctors, business owners, and bankers sent their children to this public elementary school after grade six. Their children were generally sent off to private schools. Because my family lived on one side of the street, I went to this school. I had to live on the other side of the street. I would have gone to a different school with kids from families more like mine. After grade six, these kids and I would go on to public intermediate and high school. There was no private schools for them or for me. My dad finally put the paper down. I could tell he was thinking, well, son, he began slowly. If you want to be rich, you have to learn to make money. How do I make money, I asked. Well, use your head, son, he said, smiling. Even then, I knew that really meant that all I'm going to tell you, or I don't know the answer, so don't embarrass me. The next morning, I told my best friend, Mike, what my dad said as best as I could. Mike and I were the only poor kids in his school. Mike was also in his school by a twist of fate. Someone had drawn a jog in the line for the school district, and we wound up in the school with the rich kids. We weren't really poor, but we felt as if we were because all the other boys had new basketball gloves, new bicycles and everything. Mom and dad provided us with the basics like food, shelter, and clothes, but that was about it. My dad used to say, if you want something to work for it, we wanted things, but there was not much work available for nine-year-old boys. So what do we do to make money, Mike asked. I don't know, I said, but do you want to be my partner? He agreed, and so on that Saturday morning, Mike became my first business partner. We spent all morning coming up with ideas on how to make money. Occasionally, we talked about all the cool guys at Jimmy's Beach House having fun. It hurt a little, but that hurt was good because it inspired us. That hurt was good because it inspired us to keep thinking of a way to make money. Finally, that afternoon, a bolt of lightning struck. It was an idea Mike got from a science book he had read. Excitedly, he shook hands, and the partnership now had a business. For the next several weeks, Mike and I ran around neighborhoods, knocking on doors and asking our neighbors if they would save their toothpaste tubes for us. With puzzled looks, most of those consented with a smile. Some asked us what were we doing to which we replied, we can't tell you, it's a business secret. My mom grew this stressed as the weeks wore on. 
We had selected a site next to a washing machine as the place we would stockpile our raw materials in a brown cardboard box. But that at one time held cast stew bottles, our little pile of used toothpaste began to grow. Finally, my mom put her foot down. The sight of her neighbor's messy crumble used toothpastes had gotten to her. What, what are you boys doing? She asked. I don't know. I don't want to hear again. It's a business secret. Do something with this mess or I'm going to throw it out. Mike and I pleaded and begged, explaining that we would soon have enough and then we would begin production. We informed her that we were waiting on a couple of neighbors to finish their toothpaste so we could have their tubes. Mom granted us one week extension. Your day to begin production was moved up and the pressure was on. My first partnership was already beginning threatened with an eviction notice by my own mom. It became Mike's job to tell neighbors to quickly use up their toothpaste, saying their dentists wanted them to brush more often anyway. I began to put together the production line. One day, my dad drove up with a friend to see two nine-year-old boys in the driveway with a production line operating at full speed. There was fine white powder everywhere on the long table where small cartons from school and our family Abachi's grill was glowing with red hot coal at maximum heat. Dad walked up cautiously, having to park the car at the base of the driveway since the production line blocked the carport. As he and his friend got closer, they saw a steel pot sitting on the top of the coal, which the toothpaste tools were being melted down in those days. Toothpaste did not come in plastic tubes, they were made of lead, so. Once the paint was burned off, the tools were dropped in the small steel pot. They melted until they became liquid. And with my mom's pot holder, we poured the lead through a small hole in the top of the milk carton. The milk carton were filled with plaster of Paris. White powder was everywhere in my haste. I had knocked the bag over and the tire. It looked like it had been hit by snowstorms. The milk carton were the outer containers for the plaster of Paris molds. My dad and his friend watched as we carefully poured the molten lead through a small hole in the top of the plaster of Paris cube. Careful, my dad said. I nodded without looking up. Finally, the pouring was through. I put the steel pot down and smiled at my dad. What are you boys doing? He asked with a cautious smile. We're doing what you told me to do. We're going to be rich, I said. Yep, said Mike, grinning and nodding his head. We're partners. And what is in those plaster molds, my dad asked. Watch, I said, this could be a good batch. With a small hammer, I tapped the steel that divided the cube in half. Cautiously, I pulled out the lot, the top half of the plaster mold, and a lead nickel fell out. Oh, no, my dad exclaimed. You're casting nickels out of lead. That's right, Mike said. We're doing as you told us to do. We're making money. <laughs> my dad friend turned and burst into laughter. My dad smiled and shook his head, along with a fair, a fire <coughs> in a box of spent toothpaste tubes. In front of him, we're two little boys covered with white dust, smiling from ear to ear. He asked us to put everything down and sit with him on the front steps of our house with a smile. He gently explained what he what the word counterfeiting meant. Our dreams were dashed. You mean this is illegal, asked Mike. In quivering voice, let them go, my dad friend said. 
They might be developing a natural talent. My dad glared at him. Yeah, it is illegal, my dad said gently, but you boys have shown great creativity and original thought. Keep going. I'm really proud of you. Disappointed, Mike and I sat in silence for about 20 minutes before we'd been cleaning up our mess. The business was over on open day. Sweeping the powder up, I looked at Mike and said, I guess Jimmy and his friends are right. We are poor. My father was just leaving as I said that. Boys, he said, you're only poor if you give up. The most important thing is what you did, that you did something. Most people only talk and dream of getting rich. You've done something. I'm very proud of the two of you. I will say it again. Keep going. Don't quit. Mike and I stood there in silence. There were nice words, but we still did not know what to do. So how come you're not rich, Dad, I asked. Because I chose to be a school teacher. School teachers really don't think about being rich. We just like to teach. I wish I could help you, but I really don't know how to make money. Mike and I turned and continued our cleanup. I know, said my dad. If you boys want to learn how to be rich, don't ask me. Talk to your dad, Mike. My dad asked Mike with a scrunched up face. Yeah, your dad repeated my dad with a smile. Your dad and I have the same banker, and he raves about your father. He told me several times that your father is brilliant when it comes to making money. My dad, Mike, asked again in disbelief, and how come we don't have a nice car and a nice house like the rich kids at school? A nice car and a nice house doesn't necessarily mean you're rich or you know how to make money, my dad replied. Jimmy's dad works for this sugar plantation. He's not much different from me. He works for a company, and I work for the government. The company buys the car from him. The sugar company is in financial trouble, and Jimmy's dad may soon have nothing. Your dad is different. Mikey seems to be building an empire, and I suspect in a few years he will be a very rich man. With that, Mike and I got excited again with new vigor. We began cleaning up the mess caused by our own dysfunction. First business, as we were cleaning, we made plans for how and when to talk to Mike's dad. The problem was that Mike's dad worked long hours and often did not come home until late. His His father owned warehouses, a construction company, a chain of stores, and three restaurants. It was the restaurants that kept him out late. Mike caught the bus home after we had finished cleaning up. He was going to talk to his dad when he got home and and that night and asked him if he could teach us how to become rich. Mike promised to call soon as he talked to his dad, even if it was late. The phone rang at 8.30 p.m. Okay, I said, next Saturday I put the phone down. Mike's dad had agreed to meet with us. On Saturday I called the 7.30 a.m. bus to to the port side of town. Mike and I met with his dad that morning at 8 o'clock. He was already busy, having been at work for more than an hour. His construction supervisor was just leaving in his pickup truck as I walked up to his simple, small, and tidy home. Mike met me at the door. Dad's on the phone and said to wait on the back porch, Mike said. As he opened the door, the old wooden door floor creaked as I stepped across the threshold of the aging house. There was a cheap mat just inside the door. This mat was there to hide the years of wear from countless footsteps that the floor had supported, although clean, it needed to be replaced. It felt catastrophic as I entered the narrow living room that was filled with old, musty, overstuffed furniture that today would be collector's items sitting on the couch. 
where two women, both a little older than my mom, across from the woman sat a man in workman's clothes. He wore khaki slacks and a khaki shirt, neatly pressed, but without starch and polished work boots. He was about 10 years older than my dad. They smiled as Mike and I walked past them towards the back porch. I smiled back shyly. Who are those people? I asked. Oh, they work for my dad. The older man runs his warehouse. The woman and the manager. The women are the managers of the restaurants and are, as you and as you arrived, you saw the construction supervisor who is working on a road project about 50 miles from here. His other supervisor, who is building a track of houses left before you got here. Does this guy all, all the time, I ask? Not always, but quite often, said Mike, smiling as he pulled up a chair to sit down next to me. I asked my dad if he would teach us to make money, Mike said. Oh, and what did he say? I asked with cautious curiosity. Well, he had a funny look on his face at first, and then he said he would make us an offer. Oh, I said, rocking my chair back against the wall. I sat there perched on two rear legs of the chair. Mike did the same thing. Do you know what the offer is? I asked, no, but we'll soon find out. Suddenly, Mike's dad burst through the rickety screen door and onto the porch. Mike and I jumped to our feet, not out of respect, but because we were startled. Ready, boys, he asked as he pulled up a chair to sit down with us. We nodded our heads as we pulled our chairs away from the walls to sit in front of him. He was a big man, about six feet tall and 200 pounds. My dad was taller, about the same weight and five years older. And Mike's dad said they sorted off, looked alike, though not of the same ethnic makeup. <coughs> Maybe the energy was similar. Mike says, you want to learn to make money. Is that correct, Robert? I nodded my head quietly, but with a little trepidation. He had a lot of power behind his words and smiled. Okay, here's my offer. I'll teach you, but I won't do it. And I won't do it classroom style. You work for me, I'll teach you. You don't work for me, I won't teach you. I can teach you faster if you work. And I'm wasting my time if you just want to sit and listen like you do in school. That's my offer. Take it or leave it. I'm going to ask a question first. I ask, no, take it or leave it. I've got too much work to do to waste my time. If you can't make up your mind decisively, then you'll never learn to make money anyway. Opportunities come and go. Being able to know when to make quick decisions is an important skill. You have the opportunity that you ask for. School is beginning or it's over in 10 seconds, Mike Dad said with a teasing smile. Take it, I said. Take it, Mike said. Good, said Mike. Miss Martin will be by in 10 minutes after I'm through with her. You arrive with her to my separate and you can begin working. I'll pay you 10 cents an hour and you'll work three hours every Saturday. But I have a softball game today, I said. Mike Dad lowered his voice to a stern tone. Take it or leave it, he said. I'll take it, I replied, choosing to work and learn instead of playing. By 9 a.m. By 9 a.m. that day, Mike and I went working for Miss Morton. She was a kind, patient woman. She always said that Mike and I reminded her of her two grown sons, although kind, although kind, she believed in hard work and kept us moving. We spent three hours taking canned goods off the shelves, brushing each can with a feather duster, 
to get the dust off and then restacking them neatly. It was excruciating, boring work. My dad, whom I called my rich dad, owned nine of these little suppers, each with a large parking lot. They were the early versions of the 7-Eleven convenience stores. Little neighborhood grocery stores where people bought items such as milk, bread, butter, and cigarettes. The problem was that this was Hawaii before air conditioning was widely used and the stores could not close their doors because of the heat. On one side of the store, the door had to be wide open to the road and parking lot. Every time a car drove by, I pulled into the parking lot, dust would swell and settle in the store. We knew we had a job as long as there was no air conditioning. For three weeks, Mike and I reported to Miss Martin and work. Our three hours by noon, our work was over. She dropped three little dimes in each of our hands. Now, even at the age of nine, in the mid-1950s, 30 cents was not too exciting. Comic books was ten, cost 10 cents back then, so I usually spent my money on comic books and went home. By Wednesday of the fourth week, I was ready to quit. I had agreed to work only because I wanted to learn to make money from Mike's dad, and now I was a slave for 10 cents an hour. On top of that, I had not seen Mike's dad since that first Saturday. I'm quitting, I told Mike at lunchtime. School was boring, and now I did not even have my Saturday to look forward to. But it was the 30 cent that really got to me. This time, Mike smiled. What are you laughing at? I asked with anger and frustration. Dad said this would happen. He said to meet with him when you were ready to quit. What? I said instinctively. He's been waiting for me to get fed up, sort of, Mike said. Dad's kind of different. He doesn't teach like your dad. Your mom and dad lecture a lot. My dad is quiet and, quiet and a man of few words. You just wait till this Saturday. I'll tell you, him, you're ready. You mean I've been set up? No, not really, but maybe. That will explain on Saturday. I was ready to face Mike's dad. Even my real dad was angry with him. My real dad, the one I called the poor one, thought that my rich dad was violating child labor laws and should be investigated. My educated... Poor dad told me to demand what I deserve, at least 25 cents an hour. My poor dad told me that if I did not get a raise, I was to quit immediately. You don't need that damn job anyway, said my poor dad. With At 8 o'clock Saturday morning, I walked through the door of Mike's house. When Mike's dad opened it, take a seat and wait in line, he said as I entered. He turned and disappeared into the little office next to the bedroom. I looked around the room and didn't see Mike anywhere, feeling awkward. I cautiously sat down next to the same two women who were there four weeks earlier. They smiled and slid down the couch to make room for me. 45 minutes went by, and I was steaming. The two women had met with him and left 30 minutes earlier. An older gentleman was in there for 20 minutes and was also gone. The house was empty. And here I sat in a musty, dark living room on a beautiful, sunny Hawaiian day, waiting to talk to a cheapskate who exploited children. I could hear him rustling around the office, talking on the phone, and ignoring me. I was ready to walk out, but for some reason I stayed. Finally, 15 minutes later, at exactly 9 o'clock, Rich Dad walked out of his office, said nothing, and signaled with his hand for me to enter. I understand you want a raise. Are you going to quit, Rich Dad said as he swiveled in his office chair. Where well, you're not keeping your end of the bargain, I blurted out. 
million tears. It was really frightening for me to confront a grown-up. You said that you would teach me if I worked for you well. I've worked for you. I've worked hard. I've given up my baseball game to work for you. But you haven't kept your word, and you haven't taught me anything. You are a crook like everyone in town thinks you are. You're greedy. You want all the money and don't take care of your employees. You made me wait and don't show me any respect. I'm only a little boy, but I deserve to be treated better. Rich Dad rocked back in his swivel chair, hands up to his chin, and stared at me. Not bad, he said, in less than a month, you sound like most of my employees. What I asked, not understanding what he was saying, I continued with grievance. I thought you were going to keep your end of the bargain and teach me instead. You want to torture me? That's cruel. That's really cruel. I am teaching you, Rich Dad said quietly. What have you taught me? Nothing, I said angrily. You haven't even talked to me once since I agreed to work for peanuts. Ten cents an hour. How I should notify the government about you. We have child labor laws, you know. My dad worked for the government, you know. Wow, said Rich Dad. Now you sound just like most of the people who used to work for me. People I've either fired or who have quit. So what do you have to say? I demanded, feeling pretty brave for a little kid. You lied to me. I work for you, and you have not kept your word. You haven't taught me anything. How do you know what I've not taught? I've not taught you anything. Actually, is that coming? Well, you never talked to me. I've worked for three weeks, and you have not taught me anything. I said with a pout. Does teaching meaning talking or a lecture? Rich Dad asks. Well, yes, I replied. That's how they teach you in school, he said, smiling. But that is not how life teaches you. And I would say that life is the best teacher of all. Most of the time, life does not talk to you. It just sort of pushes you around. Each push is life saying, wake up, there's something I want you to learn. What is, what is this man talking about? I asked myself, life pushing me around. Was life talking to me? Now, I knew I had to quit my job. I was talking to someone who needed to be locked up. If you learn life lesson, you will do well. If not, life will could just continue to push you around. People do two things. Some just let life push them around. Others get angry and push back. But they push back against their boss or their job or their husband or wife. They don't know it's the life that's pushing. I had no idea that what he was talking about. Life pushes all of us around. Some people give up and others fight. A few learn the lesson and move on. The what? They welcome life pushing them around to these few people. It means they need and want to learn something. They learn and move on, most quiet, and a few like you fight. Rich Dad stood and shut, shut the creaky old wooden door, window. They need it repaired. If you learn this lesson, you will grow into a wise, wealthy, and happy young man. If you don't, you will spend your life blaming a job, low pay, or your boss for your own, for your problems. You live life always hoping for the big break that will solve all your money problems. Rich Dad looked over at me to see if I was still listening. His eyes met mine. We stared at each other, communicating through our eyes. Finally, I looked away. I had absorbed his message. I knew he was right. I was blaming him, and I did ask to learn. I was fighting. Rich Dad continued, or if you continue... Or if you're the kind of person who has no guts, you'll just give up every time life pushes you. 
if you that kind of person, you'll live all your life playing it safe, doing the right thing, saying it to yourself for some event that never happens. Then you die a boring old man. You'll have a lot of friends who really like you because you were such a nice, hardworking guy. But the truth is that you let life push you into submission. Deep down, you were terrified of taking risks. You really wanted to win, but the fear of losing was greater than the excitement of winning. Deep inside, you and only you will know you didn't go for it. You choose to play it safe. Our eyes met again. You've been pushing me around. I ask some people might say that. Smile, wish that. I would say that I just gave you a taste of life. What taste of life, I ask, still angry, but now curious and ready to learn. You boys are the first people who have ever asked me to teach them how to make money. I have more than 150 employees, and not one of them has asked me what I know about money. They asked me for a job and a paycheck, but never to teach them about money. So most will spend the best years of their life working for money, not really understanding what it is they are working for. I sat there listening intensely. So when Mike told me you wanted to learn how to make money, I decided to design a course that mirrored real life. I could talk until I was blue in the face, but you wouldn't hear a thing. So I decided to let life push you around a bit. You could... you could hear me. That's why I only paid you 10 cents. So what is the lesson I learned from working for only 10 cents an hour, Ask that you're cheap and exploit your workers? Rich Dad rocked back and, and laughed heartily. Finally, he said, you would best change your point of view. Stop blaming me and thinking I'm the problem. If you think I'm the problem, then you have to change me. If you realize that you're the problem, then you can change yourself. Learn something and grow wiser. Most people want every, everyone else in the world to change but themselves. Let me tell you, it's easier to change yourself than everyone else. I don't understand, I said. Don't blame me for your problems, Rich Dad, grind impatient. But you only pay me 10 cents. So what are you learning, Rich Dad asked, smiling. That you're cheap, I said with a sly grin. See, you think I'm the problem, said Rich Dad, but you are. Well, keep that attitude and you'll learn nothing. Keep the attitude that I'm the problem and what choices do you have? Well, if you don't pay me more or show me more respect and teach me I'll quit, well put, we'll put, Rich Dad said, and that's exactly what most people do. They quit and go looking for another job, a better opportunity, a higher pay, actually thinking that this will solve the problem. In most cases, it won't. So what should I do, ask? Just take this measly 10 cent an hour and smile, Rich Dad said. That's what the other people do, but that's all they do, waiting for a raise, thinking that more money will solve their problem. Most just accept it, and some take a second job working harder, but again, accepting a small paycheck. I sat standing at the f floor, beginning to understand the lesson Rich Dad was presenting. I could sense it was a taste of life. Finally, I looked up and asked, so what will solve the problem? 
This, he said, leaning forward in his chair and tapping me gently on the head. This stuff between your head, your ears. It was the moment that Rich Dad shared the pivotal point of view that separated him from his employees and my poor dad and led him eventually to become one of the richest men in Hawaii. While my highly educated but poor dad struggled financially all his life, it was a singular point of view that made all the difference over a lifetime. Rich Dad explained point of view over and over, which I call lesson number one. The poor and the middle class work for money. The rich have money work for them. On that bright Saturday morning, I learned a completely different point of view from what I had been taught. My poor dad at the age of nine, I understood that both dads wanted me to learn. Both dads encouraged me to study, but not the same thing. My highly educated dad recommended that I do what he did, son. I want you to study hard, get good grades, so you can find a safe, secure job with a big company and make sure it has excellent benefits. My rich dad wanted me to learn how money works so I could make it work for me. These lessons I would learn through life with his guidance, not because of a classroom. My rich dad continued my my first lesson. I'm glad you got got angry about working for 10 cents an hour. If you hadn't got angry and had simply accepted it, I would have to tell you that I could not teach you. You see, true learning takes energy, passion, and burning desire. Anger is a big part of that formula for passion is anger. For passion is anger and love combined. When it comes to memory, most people want to play it safe and feel feel secure. So passion does not direct them. Fear does. So is that why they'll take jobs with low pay acts? Yes, said Rich Dad. Some people say I exploit people because I don't pay as much as the regular plantation or the government. I say the people exploit themselves. It's their fear, not mine. But don't you feel you should pay them more? I ask. I don't have to. And besides, more money would not solve their problems. Just look at your dad. He makes a lot of money, and he still can't pay his bills. Most people giving more money only gets into more debt. So that's why the 10 cents an hour, I say smiling, it's a part of the lesson. That's right, Rich. Smile, Rich Dad. You see, your dad went to school and got an excellent education so he could get a high-paying job, but he still has money problems because he never learned anything about money in school. On top of that, he believes in working for money, and you don't, I ask. No, not really. Said Rich Dad, if you want to learn, want to learn to work for money, then stay in school. That is a great place to learn to do that. But if you want to learn how to have money work for you, then I will teach you that. But only if you learn, if you want to learn. Wouldn't everyone want to learn that? I asked. No, Rich Dad. No, said Rich Dad. Simply because it's easy to learn to work for money, especially if fear is primary emotion. When the subject of money is discussed, I don't understand. I said with a frown, don't worry about that for now. Just know that it's fear that keeps most people working at a job. 
the fear of not paying the bills, the fear of being fired, the fear of not having enough money, and the fear of starting over. That's the price of studying to learn a professional trade than working for money. Most people become a slave to money and then gets angry at their boss. Learning to have money work for you is completely different. Course of study, I ask. Absolutely, Dad answered. Absolutely. We sat in silence on the beautiful Hawaiian Saturday morning. My friend had just started their little league baseball game, but for some reason I was now thankful I decided to work for 10 cents an hour. I sensed that I was about to learn something my friend wouldn't learn in school. Ready to learn? Ask Rich Dad. Absolutely, I said with a grin. I have kept my promise. I have been teaching from afar. My rich dad said, at nine years old, you've gotten a taste of what it feels like to work for money. Just multiply your last months by 50 years, and you will have an idea of what most people spend their life doing. <coughs> I don't mm-mm. How did you feel waiting in line to see me once to get hired and once to ask for money, for more money? Terrible, I said. If you choose to work for money, that is what life will be like said Rich Dad. And how did you feel when Miss Martin dropped three dimes in your hand for three hours of work? I felt like it wasn't enough. It seemed like nothing. I was disappointed. I said, and that is how most employees feel when they look at their paychecks, especially after uh, the taxes and other deductions are taken out. At least you got 100%. You mean most workers don't get paid everything I ask with amazement? Heavens no said Rich Dad. The government always take its share first. How do they do that? I asked. Taxes, said Rich Dad. You're taxed when you earn. You're taxed when you spend. You're taxed when you save. You're taxed when you die. Why do people let the government do that to them? The rich don't, said Rich Dad with a smile. The poor and the middle class do. I bet you that I earn more than your dad, yet he pays more taxes. How can that be? I asked at my age, that made no sense to me. Why would someone let the government do that to them? Rich Dad rocked slowly and silently in his chair, just looking at me, ready to learn. He asked. I nodded my head slowly. As I asked, there is a lot to learn. Learning how to have money work for you is a lifetime study. Most people go to college for four years, and their education ends. I already know that my study of money will continue over my lifetime simply because the more I find out, the more I find out I need to know. Most people never study the subject. They go to work, get their paychecks, balance their checkbooks, and that's it. Then they wonder why they have money problems. They think that money will solve the problem and don't realize that it's their lack of financial education that is the problem. So my dad has tax problems. Because he doesn't understand money, I ask confused. Look, Savage Dad, taxes are just one small section on learning how to have money work for you. Today, I just wanted to find out if you still have the passion to learn about money. Most people don't. They go to school, learn a profession, have fun at their work, earn lots of money, and one day wake up with big money problems, and then they can't stop working. That's the price of only knowing how to work for money instead of studying how to have money work for you. So do you still have the passion to learn? Asked Rich Dad. I nodded my head. Good. 
said Rich Dad. Now get back to work. This time I will pay you nothing. What? I asked amazement. You heard me nothing. You will work the same three hours every Saturday, but this time you will not be paid ten cents an hour. You said you wanted to learn to not work for money, so I'm not going to pay you anything. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I've already had a conversation with Mike, and he's already working, dusting, and stacking canned goods for free. You better hurry and get back there. That's not fair, I shouted. You got to pay something. You said you wanted to learn. If you don't learn this now, you'll grow up to be like the two women and the older man sitting in my living room working for money and hoping I don't fire them. Or like your dad earning lots of money only to be in debt to his eyeballs, hoping more money will solve the problem. If that's what you want, I'll go back to my original deal, 10 cents an hour, or you can do what most of those do, complain that there's not enough pay, quit, and go looking for another job. But what do I do, I ask. Rich Dad tapped me on the head. Use this, he said. If you use it well, you will soon thank me for giving you an opportunity and will grow into a rich man. I shouted there, will not, still not believing what a raw deal I was handed. I came to ask for a raise, and somehow I, I was instead working for nothing. Rich Dad tapped me on the head again and said, use this. Now get out of here and get back to work. So basically, that was him basically getting a job, you know, with the rich dad, but the rich dad setting up a life cycle for them, paying them 10 cents an hour, you know, but it wasn't really about the pay, it's about the learning and the frustration of what ones go through in life. You feel me? It's not about what you have, it's about what you know. Basically. Episode ten ten. Rich Dad, Poe Dad. But you know who's gonna get you some more of my mind though, cause it's basically like kind of that lesson was basically teaching how you know ones can't you can't ones teach you to work to get a great job, not to own a company, you know, like and his other dad taught him to learn money financially and have it work for you so you won't be in the same cycle of everyone in life. So, you know, all is well, 999. Episode 1010.